In our secular world, people think they can navigate life perfectly well where it's life just sort of atoms and molecules. But there'll be moments, especially moments of crisis, where they come to us as Christians to speak on behalf of God. Hi, I'm Mark Hadley, and welcome to the Eternity Podcast Network Super Series, Evangelism in a Skeptical World with Sam Chan. Hey, I'm Sam Chan. <laughs> it's like almost like you push the button. Yes, and Sam that's right. Just pops out of well, the I want to say, yo, 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 what's up? <laughs> but my boys won't let me. They say, no, no dad. Don't do that. Don't please. do that, Dad. Yeah, well, professionally, yeah, I'd steer <laughs> away from that. This is a six-part super podcast aimed at equipping you, the listener, with a collection of 15-minute evangelism life hacks. And they're not just any old hack about do this or do that. They're aimed to give your 21st century friends the gospel, but in a way they're prepared to hear it. Now, today's life hack, become their go-to chaplain. Right now, you and probably most of our audience may still be looking at evangelism as a one-off event where we tell our friends the gospel. Sounds reasonable. That big event we build up to where we finally get to say what we need to say, right? What if I were to tell you that that was only the beginning? Why would I tell you at all when we have Sam Chan here to tell you instead? That's right. Now, last episode, Sam, you and I were chatting and we talked about the idea of just naturally sharing your story and sharing Jesus' story too. Uh, Can you just give us a sentence about that? That's right. So at some point, someone's going to ask us, well, how did you become a Christian? And that's where we need to learn to share our story of how we became a Christian and also share a story about Jesus. So Jesus more than just points to believe, but Jesus is a person to know. Great. So I've told them the story, but you're suggesting that that doesn't mean I'm off the hook. No, this is a lifestyle change. Evangelism is more than a one-off event that we shoehorn into our busy life. Our lifestyle itself has to become evangelistic. So what does evangelism mean then if it doesn't just mean telling people the gospel? What What's next? Well, in episode one, we talk about merging the universes, get our Christian friends to become friends with our non-Christian friends. This is sort of related to that, where I now see myself as the long-term Christian presence in the lives of my non-Christian friends. Okay, so we're going to build a bridge, I guess, mm. uh, between their secular world and the spiritual world, maybe that they've lost connection with. Sure. And we're going to invite them, what, to just walk over it anytime they like? Well, our non-Christian friends, they still have a yearning for what we call transcendent things, things like hope, peace, harmony, freedom. And somehow I think we will place ourselves in their lives as that connection between the material world, anything we can just see and touch, and the transcendent world. This kind of makes a bit of sense to me because I know that if I go next door to my mate yeah. and he actually just solves one mechanical problem yeah. I have with my car, he's my go-to guy with cars. You know, if I've got a problem with something, I can go and talk to him about that. And you're saying that if I actually start to build into that relationship yep. of the transcendent, you called it, those hope-inspired spiritual things, my mate is going to feel that way too. Yeah, so the story I can give right now is our friend called Pierre, and Pierre and his wife have invested in the lives of, say, a particular Christian friend that they know from 
work. And they've done everything we've been saying in all the episodes up to now. They've merged their universes of friends. They've done hospitality. They've done coffee, dinner, gospel, and it's just doing its normal thing. Then suddenly there's a death in the family. The grandmother in this family dies. Mm. And then this family now goes to Piani's wife and say, could you say a few words at the funeral? Wow. Could you pray at the funeral? And then also they say, our little boy, he wants to ring you up and ask you some questions. And so the boy rings up and it's a family conference call. There are 20 people listening. And the boy wants to know where the grandmother is. Is she in heaven or hell? And so Pierre now over the next 20 or 30 minutes has to be incredibly partially wise and sensitive on how he answers his question to a young boy with 20 family members Mm. listening in. And I said to Pierre, can you see what has happened at this moment? You have become their chaplain. Mm. See, in our secular world, uh, people think they can navigate life perfectly well, where it's life just sort of atoms and molecules. But there'll be moments, especially moments of crisis, where they come to us as Christians to speak on behalf of God for them. In other words, to become a connection to the transcendent. On my street, there was a tragedy. A boy died very tragically. And I remember a few families came out of our place uh, just to grieve. And at one moment, one of the fathers said to me, so how do you make sense of all this? Mm. And also there was another Christian on the street. They asked him to run the funeral and to say a few words and to pray. And so there'll be moments where they look to us to be the voice of the transcendent, to speak on behalf of God for them. Yeah, I remember once actually being at work. And I'm sure this is a really familiar feeling for Mm. lots of people are listening. As a believer wanting to be able to tell the gospel, and I remember praying that God will give me an opportunity to tell the gospel. And for years at that place, literally Mm. years, I was just a guy trying to be a Christian and look for opportunities. And then one day in the car, a guy turned around and said, Mark, you always seem to be talking about spiritual stuff. My wife doesn't seem to love me anymore. What should I do? And I was like, wow, okay, you've invited me into a space and I never saw it coming. But you're saying that this can be part Mm. of evangelism. Yeah. So I'm learning this from Russell Matthews, uh, who works with me at City Bible Forum. So in one of the early episodes, I shared how Russell navigated the whole world of Saturday sports, where when I entered the world of Saturday sports for my kids, I thought, oh my gosh, this is a vortex. They want all of me. I thought I could just drop the children off. But no, they want me on rosters. They want me you know, on the sideline roster, on the barbecue roster, the water roster. And Russell said, no, invest in it. It's like a rip. Don't fight it. Embrace it. Go to their things. And then his next phrase was this, and you will become the chaplain on the sideline. They will come to you with their marriage problems, with their crises, with their grief. You will become the chaplain on the sideline. I thought, wow. And that sort of applies for all our areas of life. So I've noticed on my street, there are two or three very wise Christian families And a non-Christian actually came up to me and said, what is it about you Christians? You just seem to have a wisdom about you. So it seems like people will come to us. Uh, And it's interesting, like missionaries who work in official closed countries where you're not allowed to publicly proclaim the gospel, they say this is exactly how they work. They, They work by being a Christian presence in the lives of those around them. And there'll be moments where people will come to them and say, hey, 
I need some wisdom. Uh, please tell me more. Now, this actually makes the whole gospel process mm. sound much longer in one respect yeah. than I understood. Because uh, in some respects, it would just be much more comfortable for all of us if it was just a nice, neat, tied up in an afternoon conversation. And here are your six points. I happen mm. to have a diagram or something like that. Um, but you're actually saying in this day and age when people are, are really quite disconnected, yes. from, especially in the West, from spiritual things, that we have to think of evangelism as a long-term life thing. Yes, that's right. People will say, why can't we do it like we did in the old days? <laughs> and I say, well, because it's not the old days. Yeah, uh, We're post-church, we're post-reach, we're post-Christian. And I love how, you know, we were saying earlier in one of the early episodes, when Billy Graham came, and I'm actually old enough to remember him coming in the 1970s, he ran his crusade, he gave his 20-minute Bible talk, and then he made the appeal, come to the front, and he made that famous saying, the buses will wait, meaning the non-Christian actually came in a church bus, was already part of a believing community. I remember as a kid going to my Baptist church uh, as a boy in a classroom of 10 Five of the kids weren't Christians and they weren't from Christian families. I remember going to Boys Brigade when I used to run on a Friday night when probably 80% of the kids were not Christians and were not from Christian families. I used to be in a church soccer team where probably 80% were not Christians and were not from Christian families. But what that meant was all these Christians were somehow part of a believing community. They were churched. And so when Billy Crane... Graham comes in the 1970s, he's actually preaching to church non-believers who were in Christian soccer teams, Christian Sunday schools, Christian boys brigades on a Friday night. But we don't have that now. So it take it will take more than a 20-minute talk. I remember when I was living in America, some guy tried to evangelize Barack Obama, the president of the United States, and we can argue whether he was a Christian or not. But this guy just heckled Obama by just yelling out at him. And you can find this on YouTube. <laughs> Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And you can say right now, what that guy said was the gospel. Hmm. It's true to the Bible. And it's true. It's a it, true fact. factually correct. But in terms of, like you got to say... Maybe not <laughs> this you know, way. We're going to need more context than that now. We're going to need believing communities, our non-Christian friends got to know Christians, and we've got to be a Christian presence in their life for evangelism to happen. Okay, so it, it seems to me that what we're saying is that um, that the gospel is going to be picked up in lots of pieces uh, as as we actually connect people with a whole world yeah. that they've forgotten about. Um, can I just ask you, you spend a lot of time lecturing to people about evangelism. Yeah. You've written books on evangelism. You are an evangelist, so you spend time doing that. What do you think is the big secular need? What is the thing that people are, that we might want to be ready for? Yeah. Like that, what do you feel, what do you hear a lot of feel? I know there are probably a top five, but you know, what do you think is the one that you hear a lot of lately? Oh, I think the latest one is purpose. People are looking for purpose because without God, there is no purpose. So listen to how the secular narrative really does sound. All I am is atoms and molecules. I'm just another species of life on this planet. I'm just a blip in the timeline of the universe. Events just happen. They have no meaning. They have no rhyme. They have no purpose. I can invent purpose, but really, let's face it, things just happen. There is no direction. There is no reason. And, and it, 
even creeps then. Like if I don't know why I'm here, maybe I don't belong here and I shouldn't be here mm. and I'm just in the way because I'm not important enough. So there's a longing for meaning, value and purpose. So last year I caught up with Julia Laird. She does university student ministry in Melbourne. And I said, how's it going? And she said, oh, it's been amazing. Like last year we had at least 20 people becoming believers. And I jokingly said, so I'm Asian in case no one's worked this out yet. I jokingly said, were they Asians? Because it doesn't count if they're Asians. <laughs> and she said, no, 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 <laughs> like jokingly back. Yeah, yeah. These were Anglo-Australians. I we're said, hard ground. Yeah, it like secularized Anglo-Australians. And I said, what do you think it is? And she says, purpose. They actually hit university with no purpose at all. And I was listening to this podcast where this woman said, our parents chase success and they found that empty and unfulfilling. But then she said, what the heck? At least they got the car, the job and the house. We got told to chase happiness. We have no job, car or house and we're thoroughly miserable because you can never be happy. She said, you're always going, am I happy now? Am I happy now? Now am I happy? And yet we keep getting told you got to do whatever it takes to be happy. So we try even harder. So we're now more stressed, more tired, more miserable. So if it's not success, if it's not happiness, it's purpose. People actually need to know, why am I here? Now, from a Christian point of view, you can start to construct from that. Totally. We say we are here because there's a God who loves us, who made us, who saves us. And every day he has a purpose for us. Every day we know, love, trust and worship Jesus is a day where he makes us more and more into the person he wants us to be, more and more like Jesus. And I have belonging in a bigger story. Uh, I have belonging in his family, his kingdom. And every day is a day where I'm trying to bring his love, his mercy, his justice onto this planet. Mm. Now tell me, that is a better story, isn't it? A better story. I want to be part of that. And one that's actually building as opposed to running out on you. Yeah. Because I feel like, um, I was just thinking as you were saying that, how many ways that question of purpose uh, and that you can end up being a a, a chaplain, a life chaplain for people Mm. in, is masked in this society. My job just seems pointless. Yeah. There's a purpose one. Or the kids... I don't know what's going wrong. There's a purpose thing. I was supposed to to be a good parent, wasn't I? Or even why is it that my wife and I just don't seem to connect or my partner and I just yeah. don't seem to connect because they would look to their marriage or, yeah. or their relationship as a purpose. Yeah, wow. Even, that's an awesome one. Yeah, and we're always asking ourselves, where is this going? Where is this going? Like after a few years at a job, where's this job going? Or a couple will say to each other, where is this going? Hmm. See, we need purpose. We need a, a story bigger than just our own story to connect to. Absolutely. Like we're going somewhere yeah. as opposed to nowhere. Now, I just want to give a bit of a hint here. Unlike the rest of the series, today's insights are actually taken not from Evangelism in a Skeptical World, which is Sam's awesome existing book through Zonovan, but Sam's upcoming book, How to Tell Your Friends About Jesus Without Becoming That Guy, which is also from Zondervan and coming out soon. Now, we're not sure about the title completely, How to Tell Your Friends About Jesus Without Becoming That Guy. Might go through some changes, but it's coming out soon, so look out for it. i got a final question for you, Sam, because we've done six episodes on evangelism in a skeptical world. Here's the final one. I figure we've only really just scratched the surface of the book. What else could people expect to get from the book? 
just to see how the world has changed, but they might be a great thing. Maybe there's a chance where there are more opportunities than ever before to tell our friends about Jesus. There is so much ahead, and I really want to encourage you to read the book. I had to prep for these episodes, and you know, it is the most enjoyable prep I have done in years. So Sam, what's the take-home hack for becoming your friend's go-to chaplain? Just be the Christian presence in their lives. Awesome. Okay, so uh, speaking of the Christian presence in lots of people's lives, we have another network product I just want to point you towards. Salt, Conversations with Jenny Salt, is a podcast that's also available on the Eternity Podcast Network. Now, Jenny Salt is a brilliant Christian interviewer, a real sweetheart with a microphone, who seems to somehow just get out of the way and open people up, and they tell their stories. And these stories are amazing, often completely unexpected spiritual journeys from missionaries, sure, but also media makers and scientists and sports people and new ages and new migrants. Salt Conversations with Jenny Salt is a wonderful podcast that we thoroughly endorse and want you to get into too. It's available on the Eternity Podcast Network, eternitypodcasts.com. Thanks for being part of the Evangelism in a Skeptical World Super Series. And Sam, thanks heaps for actually just making the whole thing possible by bringing all of this wisdom into the room. Oh, it's been fantastic. It's worth it just to spend six sessions with you, Mark. Uh, I was winding him up because, actually, I've got to be honest, there's a guy who will deny his own insights day in, day out. But if you don't get a hold of Evangelism in a Skeptical World, a really super easy book to read, you really are just missing out. And now we've only done six episodes. Dig back if this is the first one you heard. Six scratches, in fact, into the book. But you can find out much more of Evangelizing in a Skeptical World in Sam's book and if you want a copy just find the link in the show notes I've been in all the show notes all along find the link and we're going to look forward to sharing more super series with you and Sam in the future till then I'm Sam Chan and I'm Mark Hadley see ya you've been listening to the Eternity Podcast Network eternitypodcasts.com.au